Hello, Alaska. This is Pat Race. And this is Matt Buxton. And this is a podcast about Alaska. Today, we're going to be talking about weird pets of Alaska. I did this interview with Riley Woodford. Um, Who's Riley Woodford, by the way? Yeah, exactly. I know. I was just thinking of like how to describe him. Yeah. Information officer for the Department of Fish and Game. Okay. And he writes this great wildlife news newsletter, Alaska Fish and Wildlife News. You can get it via email at wildlifenews.alaska.gov if you're looking for that kind of thing. All right. Well, let's hit it. I'm an information officer with the Alaska Department of Fish and Game. In 2002, the Department of Fish and Game was looking for somebody in a statewide level to write about science. And uh, that was exactly what I wanted to do. You know, I've been writing and teaching and uh, I love science and I covered science a lot for the newspaper. And so uh, it was a great fit. So I've been doing that since 2002. Okay, and uh, Matt and I came across this great article you wrote. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about that. That was in 2010. Uh, yeah, it was uh, No Chimps Allowed. And it was the Board of Game had had uh, made it against the law to have a chimpanzee as a pet in Alaska. So up to that point, you could. And if you had one, it was grandfathered in. But uh, can I know. interrupt here? Were there a lot of were there a lot of people that owned chimps at that point? I don't think so. I don't think there was anybody. I don't know of anybody in Alaska that has a monkey for a pet. It was part of kind of a federal national trend to for one, you know, there have been a lot of well, there's been some injuries where uh, they just go crazy and attack people, and they carry disease. And uh, I think a bigger part of the issue is that there's kind of an international movement to outlaw the pet trade in primates, and so it was kind of moving to be consistent with that. Are there, are there other pets that people can't own in Alaska? Y- yeah, there's actually a list of pets you can own. So people are allowed to have kind of the typical pets that we think of: cats and dogs, and things like that, uh, guinea pigs, and then also farm animals. So there's a pretty big list. It may be, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 animals, like reptiles. You can have a reptile as long as it's not venomous. And the big concern with, with a lot of animals is can they live if they escape? And will, would they thrive? And we don't want that. We don't want any animal to escape and become uh, an invasive species in Alaska. So the clean list is, it spells out exactly what you can have. And uh, Obviously, a, you know, a general category like a non-venomous reptile is, is pretty encompassing. But, you know, people have snakes for pets, um, corn snakes, and, and they actually make pretty good pets if you, uh, if you like reptiles. And uh, so the clean list, you can look it up. It's called the clean list. It's actually an Alaska statute. But if you go to the Fish and Game website and look, for, look under pets and livestock and that kind of stuff, you can look it up. And either an animal is on it or it isn't. And, you know, the farm animals are the kind of things that, that we all would expect to be a farm animal. And then there's some kind of weird exotic animals that I don't know if anybody keeps them as pet. But, like, you can have an African hedgehog, um, a one-humped camel, uh, llamas and alpacas. Those are legal. Things like emus are not legal. Why why a camel and not an emu? I don't know. I don't know exactly why things are on the list, but I can tell you the main reasons that you can't have some animals are they carry disease, uh, they have a history of being unsafe, or people have, uh, maybe they seem like a good idea at one time, like capuchin monkeys, you know, little organ grinder monkeys, and then over time they discover that they don't really make that good of pets. Um, and then the invasive species thing. You know, in the lower 48 is full of animals that are now causing enormous problems because uh, people thought they wanted to have a Burmese python and then they get loose and then they thrive, like in the Everglades. And, uh, or carp, you know, carp have taken over freshwater down south in uh, 
they're really destructive. Do we have any cases in Alaska where pets have escaped and become like a, a problem? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, right here in Juneau, rabbits, right? We've got, uh, we have a feral rabbit problem. And fortunately, right now, as of this time, they're fairly contained. You know, they're in a, in a neighborhood in the valley. But they've gotten into the glacier area, the Mendenhall uh, Recreation Area, and uh, Fish and Game went out there and, and euthanized a couple there and got them. The Forest Service does not want them taken over out there because they would compete with snowshoe hares, which are a native animal that we would like to have thrive or exist at whatever natural level it should exist. And, uh, you know, wild European rabbits are problems in a lot of cities where they can thrive, like Portland and stuff. So, so there's a, a neighborhood out in the valley that has just a ton of rabbits running around. What, uh, how do you deal with that? Does Fish and Game have to go out and catch them all, or do you like put a bounty out on them, or how, how, what's the? How do you guys pin them down? <laughs> Those are all good questions. A bounty would be great. Uh, you know, you can't discharge a firearm within the city limits, and so the easiest thing would be to go shoot them, but that's not legal. And it might not go over well with some of the neighbors. Some of the neighbors would appreciate it. Uh, what people are doing is they're catching them in traps and giving them to the Humane Society, and they cost a fortune to take care of. So the Humane Society is a no-kill shelter. And so basically they get stuck with them. I think the average is like six months or something to find a home for them. They, they eat a lot. And so they're, I think I read that they cost like $750 a year for the Humane Society to take care of them, and they have like 20 of them now. And they're not that popular as pets. So basically the Humane Society is getting stuck with them, and and that's a big problem. Uh, uh, so if there was a $50 per rabbit bounty, you'd be saving like $700 for the Humane Society? Yeah, I don't know who would pay for the bounty. The city, I mean, this probably isn't the kind of thing Fish and Game would... Uh, take on single-handedly like like when we deal with with bears in Juneau it's a cooperation between the city and um, and fishing game and then usually you know like the the uh, trash collection people and do, you know streets and docks and harbors and stuff and we all work together on those kind of problems so now in the valley it would be the city probably the forest service because they are they own that adjacent land um, and they're very concerned about it and fishing game but uh, the problem now is they're, you know, they're established and it would take, it would take, uh, a dedicated effort. It could be done, but the concern is, you know, what happens once they start really spreading and then, then it's too late. So, uh, I actually, I remember reading this article in the newspaper and a lot of the comments were like, well, let's just eat them. Is that, is that something that's safe? Oh yeah, it's perfectly safe. Yeah. I, I, I grew up in Oregon. We hunted rabbits, um, cottontails and they're great to eat. All right, there you go. Okay, um, so so you aren't allowed to discharge firearms. Some people have like snares. Is it a, is it a concern for like pets in the neighborhood if there's traps like lying around or children? Yeah, it could be. It could be. It depends on what kind of trap it is. I mean, I wouldn't use a snare or a trap that could catch a pet. Those live traps, you know, the have a heart live traps, little cages, uh, would be great because you could if you caught something you didn't want, you could let it go, and uh, you could catch them live and then. You know, I mean, lots of people raise rabbits for food, uh, and then you could dispatch it in whatever means you wanted. Okay, and uh, and I, how does that fit in with like hunting regulations? Is that a is that problematic, or just anything that's not regulated is like fair game? Yeah, there actually the rule is if uh, let's see, I guess no, if it's not in the regs, you can't hunt it. Uh, but I think there is a note. Uh, it's on the last page of the hunting regs. Deleterious wildlife 
And I think it specifically says if, you know, if somebody has chickens that are loose or rabbits that are loose and they've escaped and are feral, then they're fair game. Uh, but they're list they would be listed specifically if they are. Things like mountain lions are kind of an issue because they show up once in a blue moon and we don't want people shooting them. Uh, and they're not in the regs because they're not really considered to be a, an Alaska wildlife. But, you know, Fisher, those big weasels that are related to martens, they started showing up and people would trap them once in a while and they were required to turn them over to the state if they trapped one. And eventually we, we felt like people were probably trapping them here in Southeast and not telling us. So we made it legal to trap them and we want to know. And I think last winter seven were trapped in Southeast Alaska. So, so if my one hump camel escapes, uh, can someone shoot it and eat it? They, they could. I think they would, that would be considered, you know, deleterious wildlife. No. So not likely to happen though. Uh, people are more likely to, you know, turn it back into you and help you. So, so what are some of the really interesting pets that you're aware of in Alaska? Well, snakes. I, uh, you know, either you love them or you don't. Uh, ferrets. Ferrets are legal. People have ferrets. They make pretty good pets if you are willing to spend a lot of time with them. They require a lot of time and attention. Uh, but if you read like Ricky Ticky Tavi and like Mongoose, I think you would have a soft spot for ferrets. Uh, I have Maine Coons, which are huge cats, and they make really good pets, but they're like 17 or 18 pounds, and they live, you know, a long time, 15 or 20 years, so they're kind of, uh, you know, an unusual cat. Maybe that's my, I finally realized my desire to have an unusual large cat, because I wanted a, I wanted an ocelot when I was a kid, and of course they weren't legal, and my parents wouldn't let me have one, but yeah, so I got Maine Coons. I, I know a guy who owns a pig. I thought that was pretty interesting. For a pet, like a, it's in his house? Yeah, it's like a pet pig. It's like a little, I think they kind of take care of it like a cat or a dog. Wow. I, they're smart. You know, if you, could, if you could house train them, I think that'd be the main issue. But, you know, if you've got a house pet that's clean, um, like ferrets are pretty stinky and you'd have to, you have to take care of them. I, I have people, I know people that have guinea pigs and they're kind of cool because they're so mellow and like toddlers can handle them, but they don't really do anything. Uh, so I don't know, maybe people play with them and train them, but they, to me, they seem more like a stuffed animal. Let's see. Are there, let's get back to that main article. Are there any, um, are there any aspects of that that we haven't really dug into that are interesting that we should be talking about? Well, one more thing that's kind of along those lines is that you can't, you can't capture a wild animal and keep it as a pet. You can't adopt, uh, what you think might be an orphaned or abandoned baby animal. Um, and certainly, you know, an adult animal that has been, uh, injured or something and people take it in and think they're going to take care of it uh none of that is legal well what about there are raptor centers and things like that in alaska is that illegal no they're permitted and and they you know they have to prove that they can take care of the animals and you know they have mews they call them where the birds are kept uh and that's kind of a special deal it's it is actually legal to have raptors as pets they're not technically pets they're hunting animals and people hunt you know, falconry. And so you can have uh, a range of owls, hawks. Uh, you can't have a bald eagle, but you could have a golden eagle. And, and it's, you know, it's a, you have to prove that you can take care of it and do it. But, but an Alaskan can get, a, can get a permit to go into a nest and capture a baby bird and um, train it to be a, a falconry bird. And you have to have a hunting license and you can hunt with them. Well, there, there's the rabbit problem solved right there. That would be the way to do it. That's a really good idea to have a falconer. It's the problem in Juneau is, and I know two people uh, 
that had falcons in Juneau and did falconry, they moved here from somewhere else with birds and bald eagles killed their birds. And they just said, it is impossible here. For one, it's, you know, it's so wet and you're out on the wetlands with your bird hunting ducks or something. And then an eagles come and they either beat it up or they kill it or they take the birds away from it. And so they both gave up. So eagles probably aren't a pet you're allowed to have. No, not a bald eagle. That's, and that's, you know, cause they're federal, federally protected. Um, but we had, you know, we had a situation a few years ago where some people had adopted a baby porcupine and were raising it as a pet. And it was, by all accounts, a great pet. It was in the house and uh, it would like, from what I understand, it would sit at the table and eat, like, and eat an apple and it would hold it in its paws and eat it like a squirrel would. And uh, somebody turned him in and the troopers came and took it. And it's now at the Alaska Wildlife Conservation Center south of Anchorage, um, Snickers. And you can look up some great YouTube videos of... of uh, snickers playing with people and stuff and you know people wear big heavy gloves to handle it because of the quills but it's it's very friendly and you know porcupines are i think they're kind of our most watchable wildlife they're fairly tame you know we can coexist with them pretty well as long as they don't completely destroy your garden um but yeah you even though it might be kind of cool to have one you, you can't have a porcupine as a pet I think people in Alaska have a really unique relationship with animals, but we're also like these little population centers um, that are, some of them are growing into their territory. Um, I guess, what does that, what does that look like to you? That's, that's a good point. I mean, people in Alaska live here partly because of the wildlife. Not, not everybody, but, but a lot of people do. I, I do. And I love living in a place where we have bears and bald eagles and killer whales and humpback whales and um, you know you can go down to the harbor and look in the water and there's fish swimming around everywhere and um, and I couldn't stand living in a place that wasn't like that I wouldn't choose to do that so I think a lot of people are like that and that's not even hunting and fishing I mean I like to hunt and fish too but uh, people like living around wildlife and living in a wild place so we are really really fortunate to, to live where we live and we I think for the most part, make an effort to make it work. And I mean, you grew up here and you know that, that in the nineties, people were shooting bears left and right. I mean, one summer in like a three month period in 99, I think it was this, the, between the police and fishing game, we shot 19 bears in town and people eventually were just like, we can't do this. You know, we could shoot bears and next year more bears will come and they're coming because of garbage and, and barbecue grills and bird feeders. And, um, they will never stop coming and we'll never stop shooting them if that's how we want to live. So let's change that. So we worked with the, the city, the trash collection, uh, docks and harbors, the streets. Everybody worked together and they made these you know, laws and regulations about garbage where you don't put your garbage out until it's time for it to get picked up. And it made a huge difference, a huge difference. And we maybe, uh, the city euthanizes one or two bears a year at most, some years not at all, because people are living with bears and you know there's a facebook page juno bear sightings and it's kind of facebook at its best i think where people just post a little note like mama bear with a couple of cubs hanging out on this place in the valley uh we've been seeing them every morning they're not hurting anything but just be aware um, or problem bears people are talking about it be careful this bear's been getting food and uh and you know and then in the winter nobody posts because there's no activity um Wildlife is also the biggest reason that people come to Alaska. And, you know, there's many surveys of tourists and why tourists come. And uh, wildlife is the first reason. Scenery is the second reason. So, yeah, we're really fortunate that we have 
the wildlife that we have. And, and, you know, in part, these rules about pets, the pets that we don't want and keeping wild animals wild is, is to protect all of that. I think a porcupine would be a great pet. Yeah, I I'm kind of keen on the one humped camel. I I looked through the list uh, on the on the website there of all the animals you are allowed to have. I liked the one humped camel as the. I think that's the weirdest one. Yeah, you could. Have, what, what kind of animal could you could you have? Like, I guess you couldn't have a monkey ride the one humped camel though. Sadly, you can't have a monkey. You no. can have a. You could put a um, chinchilla on the camel. Almost as good. Yeah. The thing I got hung up on in this interview was the the Juno rabbits. There's this like neighborhood in Juno that has just been overrun with like rabbits. It's and it's like someone's pet rabbit escaped and met another pet rabbit and had a bunch of baby rabbits and then those babies had babies and now there's like some neighborhoods just swarming with rabbits and yeah. <laughs> that was kind of and they're like, sort they're of, pet rabbits, not like wild hares or anything like that. Well, they're right? wild now. Yeah, they're wild now. <laughs> I wonder if it, the, did, did the rabbits get feral? Do they get like little like fangs and? Oh, I don't know. Do, do they evolve that fast? Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. It was interesting. I mean, I grew up, I, I haven't seen a whole lot of like invasive species firsthand, but uh, when I grew up, I grew up in Portland and we lived in part of town where it was just totally blanketed in ivy. And like they, they have like weekend ivy clearing parties where everyone goes out and just rips it off, you know, chokes out like the ferns and stuff like that. Right. And apparently uh, it was really is introduced because one lady in the neighborhood decided that she really wanted to uh, landscape with ivy, English ivy. And, uh, you know, it, it was I think it was pretty good for a little while. And then she kind of got into ill health and then it just moved off of her yard. And that was that. And now all of southwest Portland's completely blanketed with ivy now. It's interesting that you bring up plants because there's there are invasive plants in Alaska, too. Yeah. Um, like the. Canadian thistle, I think, is supposed to be a, a pretty bad one. Yeah. And then those, uh, like, there's aquatic, oh, yeah. uh, uh, like, like weeds that get in rivers and yeah. bog up rivers and things like that. Melodia, yeah. It's like, yeah. that's why you have to wash off your boat that nobody ever does. <laughs> is, that a th- is that a Fairbanks thing? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of uh, lakes around here where people, you know, bring up their boats and the bilge water has the spores or whatever kind of thing that Elodia takes to transfer. And then now we have lakes that are filled with Elodia delightful mm-hmm. so now you need to figure out how to make a lodia salad yes <laughs> delicious so so what kind of um what kind of pet things are going on in fairbanks you were saying that there's something wild going on where pe- like kind of this wild west thing where yeah. people are so uh so it turns out that uh there is really no law for uh shooting uh, uh dogs when they are off of your property or on public land so and there's really so the uh, re- reason this came up this year is that the summer um you know a guy is his puppy got off his his lot and he found it shot in the head actually um with a 22 and never found the suspect in that case but another one came up actually this a uh, couple weeks ago where um two teenage boys like 12 and 13 were out hunting with a 22 kind of in a neighborhood which is also sort of raises some problems there um and uh bagged what they thought or at least they claimed to think it was a wolf uh which turned out to be someone's sled dog that had gotten loose oh. and um it's it's particularly weird because um the the troopers had to get involved just to get the dog back and they found the dog the dog's corpse 
at a taxidermy place in Delta Junction where they were getting ready to uh, taxidermy and mount this sled dog, which wasn't a particularly big sled dog. But so there's this huge kind of discussion right now about, you know, is this right? Can you shoot? You know, should you be able to shoot animals uh, with kind of impunity if they get off uh, off of their property? So it's not a matter of them being on your private property. It's a matter of them being off of their private property. Yeah. So if they come onto your, if they come onto your private property, or are on public land, they're basically free, free game. And this isn't just a weird Fairbanks thing. People can no, do this, this anywhere in Alaska. Anywhere in Alaska. Yeah. Ugh. So yeah. That's, so that's, like that's really disheartening as as someone who's been a pet owner or and knows a lot of pet owners. Yeah. I mean. I, I mean. And so there's there's also you know kind of secondary questions here about like you know are these is it okay for a 12 and 13 year old to be out hunting alone in a neighborhood basically I mean they're out in kind of the Goldstream Valley area but you know it's not sparsely populated out there it's relatively dense and so well there are laws about how far away from the roads you have to be yeah and they probably were not. Oh, they, yeah. oh yeah rules. they were pretty much on the road from what i understand yeah but yeah so there's currently nothing you know in state law that says yeah shooting a dog on public property is a is against the law so these kids have no um problems right now there are no you know no legal ramifications and I, from what i understand yeah but they could get in trouble for for firing within within that, like a half mile that of the road too or yeah and then the owner could potentially bring like a civil lawsuit that says you know you damaged my property but I think there, for a lot of people, it's kind of distressing to find out that dogs, you know, and pets are treated as, you know, solely as property, you know, as, as, as if, you know, I was out and you, you know, shot my bike, I guess, or something like that. Like, that's sort of how the state law sees it. And it's so it's for some reason, yeah, it's just destroying property and not destroying someone's beloved pet. Yeah. What do you um, that's an interesting thing talking with Riley is like he, he works for Fish and Game and Riley's someone who you know obviously respects and loves animals, but he also deals with them in the capacity of like these are these animals are food or these mm-hmm. animals n- need to be eliminated because they're encroaching on other uh, on the natural species. So like w- it sounds like you have some sensitivity to like animals as like a living life form and that they deserve to live. How do you feel about the the animals that are being eliminated because they are quote unquote invasive. Uh, I mean, I think, I think, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I support hunting. I don't do it. And my, mostly because I don't have like the stomach to, to kill an animal, I guess. So, but I don't really have problems with hunters at all. And I enjoy a caribou or moose steak. So I'm going to put that on the record first. Um, yeah. but yeah, I think, I mean, as far as, you know, managing invasive species i think that i kind of don't have a problem with that either you know i think um you know the big problem with invasive species isn't necessarily that they're there but that they're um choking out the diversity in in the other area and oftentimes i think the big problem is that like with the ivy um i had growing up is that it chokes out everything so you go from having like a great biodiversity with ferns and and trillium flowers and all that sort of stuff to all ivy. That's all you get. So, like, you could probably in those neighborhoods where all the rabbits are, you know, I guess you could probably have like what porcupines and and squirrels and and marmots possibly. And you know, because rabbits are just good at making more rabbits, you know, they could be choking that out. So, I guess if you're um, if you're balancing, <laughs> I guess it's you know it's a question of how you balance these animal priorities. But for me, I that, guess yeah, the animals that yeah. were there in the first place. I, 
kind of I don't mind them being there, and I <laughs> don't mind them not getting choked out. So it's interesting that like you talk about biodiversity and this and the ivy, your experience growing up, and I like for me as a small business owner, I start thinking immediately of like big box stores and like online shopping, yeah. uh, m- m- mega conglomerates like Amazon. Yeah. And, they're like, the Ivy of the world. It's, yeah. it's kind of, yeah, they sort of, they sort of strangle out the biodiversity <laughs> yeah. It's real, in the economic biodiversity, I guess. But it's a, yeah, it's an it, interesting thing. And it's interesting because like, you know, I, I look at the Ivy on one level and it's like, yeah, the Ivy's, doing really well you know and it it's there's a lot of ivy you probably have more plant material than ever before thanks to the ivy but like ivy's roots are also really shallow so you know if so uh long term though you have like start to face pretty major erosion problems when you have hills covered with ivy and so i'm sure you can build some really big pained you know metaphor for (laughs) for invasive species and and uh you know uh, capitalist america but uh, <laughs> well, that's what I was trying to do. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> okay, so um, what's going on this session? Are there any animal things coming up this year that we should look forward to, or like? Um, well, I'm like... I'm hoping for uh, you know Marmot Day Two, Spring and Fall Marmot Day. Yeah, yeah. When you <laughs> roll the marmots forward and you jump them back. Yeah. No, but but there's there's a great big law that passed this last year that was really hailed as like a, a big win um, for a lot of animal rights. And I guess just kind of pet lovers and dog lovers around, which was um, uh, uh, the late representative Gruenberg's um, bill that basically gave uh, the animals' well-being um, consideration in legal proceedings when it comes to like domestic violence or divorces. Now that the basically instead of treating a dog like a TV or a bicycle, the law can say what's best for the dog too, and so. So in domestic violence orders in times, you know, there would be, you know, you can't take the dog, you know, with you if you're trying to get out of this abusive relationship. And then then there were cases where the abuser would be either threatening to kill the dog or actually killing the dog. And and because it's his property, there's no repercussion for it other than, you know, potentially uh, animal cruelty charges there. But it it becomes it was the problem was it's become this huge issue about. Um, you know, there were cases where victims of domestic violence weren't leaving problematic situations because of the fear for the well-being of their animal. Or because they wanted to take their, yeah, they want to take their pet with them. So it's mm-hmm. like, I, man, I should really get out of this relationship, but the, if not, if the cat can't come. Yeah. And so that, that was passed. Uh, it took a little bit of, you know, kind of frustrating effort, you know, um, to get it passed. It passed, I think, after Representative Gruenberg passed away mm-hmm. last year. Um, but so I think what we will likely see actually is potential legislation based on the cases that are happening here in Fairbanks right now regarding dog deaths um, and the killing of them. And so we might see something. I'm not exactly sure what it would look like because, you know, there are going to be cases where you might need to end up shooting a dog for some reason if it's on your property. But having kind of blind you know, total impunity to do it, I think, is what they want to address. What is interesting here that we want to draw out from Riley's interview? Like, I think the things for, I think the things in his interview for me that were really interesting were like the, the kind of the arc of, of Juno bear, uh, habitat, like bears getting in people's garbage and, and kind of being in the, in the way, but then adjusting, uh, the way we, 
the way we dealt with garbage and it fixed basic it basically solved the bear problem yeah you know that's sort of humans in the wildlife learning to live together and it doesn't you know human existence doesn't need to require the eradication of all wildlife you know so like if we can get along by if we just you know take a little bit of extra care with our trash then we can still the bears can still be happy and we can right. be happy it's, checking out the bears it's hard to make a law that uh, that tells bears that they can't be downtown yeah but it's e- easy to take away their incentive to be downtown and i think that's maybe like a useful <laughs> lesson for everybody i think you know learning that you can uh coexist with other people with just a little bit of compromise uh makes life just a little bit easier i think for me for me it really points to the power of incentives like uh, with wild animals you cannot you cannot legislate you cannot pass a law that an animal is going to follow right yeah. so you have to pass a, a law that a human's going to follow that will change the incentives for animal behavior so and so okay. so that's really well i was just saying that that's in policy making considering the incentive and the and the motivation is really like i mean fundamentally we behave the same as animals and so changing our incentives so that we're um so that we're making the right decisions is easier than telling us not to do something yeah, do you think there's a law that would incentivize the improvement of uh, or the eradication of fake news, possibly? <laughs> oh, sure. I don't know. I mean, there's... <laughs> yeah, I wonder, there's... yeah, I mean, I wonder how you can incentivize your way out of that. That'd be an interesting kind of discussion to have. I think the, one of the interesting lessons from it is that there are kind of minimal sort of piece, uh, efforts we can take that can make uh, the world around us just a little bit better you know you can by by locking up your trash can you know all of a sudden you don't need to start killing all these bears by keeping your bunnies indoors we can still have you know all these wild porcupines hanging out in our yards and which are cool and you know all these little sort of changes are kind of nice you know like it's like one of those you know people i think the resistance to it is always really interesting to me where you people are really resistant to ch- like making these little changes because it's like oh how oh yeah great like what if we accidentally make the world a slightly better place you know by being a little more considerate so um so tell me uh you're a new pet owner right yeah how's you that go. going uh good actually you know i think uh it's always interesting because um i think the more and more time you spend with the dog, I think one of the things um, is that dogs' personalities, like people's, I think can change a little bit as they can either grow more comfortable or, or whatever. Like, so I've had Tuco for about six months now, and so kind of seeing how he sort of settled in has really been a lot of fun because he's like a really personality-filled dog. And uh, and so we've been doing that and been getting working with him to learn how to ski jor. So I've been skiing and rope up with him and he kind of just pulls and been sort of working on that sort of cooperation. It's kind of fun to have like a dog who has got a job, I think. So, yeah. yeah. Are you bringing your dog down when you come to cover session or are you, uh, uh so I'm gonna, probably going to be flying down for the, so I'll be coming down for the session for two parts probably. So I'll be doing like a week in the beginning where I'll fly down. Um, and then probably towards the end and the end I might end up, um, bringing him down because I might be here for three weeks or a month. So yeah. yeah. Or endless special sessions. Yes. Just be yeah. here till next year. Yeah. All right. Well, we can talk about the legislative session later, but uh, it was nice talking about pets. Yeah. Do we want to, do you want to wrap this episode up with uh, kind of what our, our good news? Yeah. It's good. All right. What, what do you got? So Fairbanks is covered with snow right now. Uh, we got about, Oh, I think we're all, 
up to about 15 inches around town. Uh, we've had incredible winds uh, for Fairbanks. So it might not to Juno, it might not sound like much, but we've had uh, overnight, you know, kind of gusts uh, up to about 50, 55 miles an hour. Uh, sustained winds around 30 to 40. Um, so the big concern and scare here was that we were everyone was going to be out of power for weeks on end, which happened a few years ago. Um, but so far, uh, we've kind of seemed to escape it. It probably helps that it didn't ever really get too warm, so we don't get a lot of rain. But one of the big things I've been hearing about is, um, you know, whenever you get snow and low visibility, there's a lot of people in ditches. And I've been hearing a lot of just anecdotal stories about people really, like, going out and do, doing extra, you know, uh, extra effort to help people out of ditches and help plow driveways without being paid and and to make sure everyone else is safe. And I think so seeing Fairbanks kind of come together and caring for each other, making sure everyone else is safe and warm at this time is been really great to see. Um, I think there was a lot of fear that the storm was going to be bad. And um, luckily, it hasn't too bad. It wasn't so bad so far. Um, and so far, it sounds like, sounds like everyone's pretty safe. So yeah, that Fairbanks wind can be killer. It's it it uh it isn't very windy up there very often, and so no, when it, yeah. it but it's so cold that when it is windy, it just like cuts through everything. Yeah. No. So yeah, so yeah, it can totally bring down trees and stuff real easily. But um, it's pretty much for whatever reason not been too bad. So there definitely I mean, there's right. about a thousand people without power right now in the whole Fairbanks borough, but that's way better than last few years. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, stay warm up there. Yeah. Um, let's see. So I, uh, my thing I'm excited about is uh, well, right now at this very moment, Marion is passed out uh, in a pile of blankets because last night she stayed up uh, all night working on her uh, title track for her new album. And it, it, this album is something I'm super excited about. And she's uh, should have a new song out tomorrow. I mean, probably oh, before I'm done, probably before I'm done editing this podcast, <laughs> okay. this, song, this song will be out. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm really excited that, uh, that that's been something she's been working on for m- multiple years. And, and it's kind of neat to see it come to a culmination. Yeah. It's been interesting. Every time I've been down in Juno for the last couple of years, I think she's just a little bit farther along with that project. So it's kind of, yeah. it'll be cool to see it. Yeah. All right. Well, um, that's our show for, for, uh, this time around. And, uh, if you want to find us, you can find us at hello, Alaska dot pizza. Um, I'm at Alaska robotics on Twitter and I'm at FDNM politics on Twitter. Goodbye. All right, bye, Alaska.